We're going to continue looking at uh, this. Uh, we're trying to un understand more the, in the intimacy or the privilege of intimate prayer that the Lord gives us. And uh, uh, today is the 49th Sunday of the year. Did you know that? The 49th. You guys have made it through 49 Sundays. Uh, we only have, uh, what, three left or so. Um, in 2022. But today I'd like for you to talk about, we're going to look at learning to use the tool of prayer. Uh, learning to use the tool of prayer. And I've got one scripture I want to focus on, but there's also other, other, you know, selected ones here. And this is a familiar scripture, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, but it really reveals a very, very important principle about prayer about why prayer is such a wonderful tool and, and not to be looked upon as a burden or a trial or something that, that uh, we have to endure, but it's actually something that uh, is actually a blessing that God has given us, uh, given, given to us. Jesus is saying, this is Jesus speaking, look, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And that's from the New Living Translation, and that kind of that gives you a, a, a gist of the 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 implication or the meaning of why Jesus wants to come into our life because He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to fellowship with us. A lot of times, this verse is given as a as a verse that we use to try to invite those who don't know the Lord to come to know Him. But actually, this verse is written to the church. Yeah, it's written to churches who are uh, people, Christians who are lukewarm, where Jesus is saying, I really want to, us to have a vital relationship together, not a lukewarm one. Lord, we pray today that as we look at this wonderful tool you've given us of prayer, we pray that, Lord, you would make um, maybe things that have been difficult in our life, uh, uh, maybe, maybe we've had some bad experiences with trying to form a, a prayer habit or a, a life of prayer or a prayer discipline. Lord, uh, pray you'll help us, Lord, to unlearn some of those things that, uh, that have become negatives in our life and help us to see that you want prayer to be a marvelous, wonderful tool to know you better by. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our district superintendent, Tim Kellerman, last, uh, reminded us this last Thursday we had our, our annual Christmas uh, banquet, district Christmas banquet there in Shiloh. He reminded us that we need to expect God to do more than what our common sense thinks. I like that. That was a good reminder for us. We need to expect God to do more than what our common sense thinks. In other words, be ready to expect more of Jesus' glory in your life. Be ready to expect more of Jesus' glory in your life. Don't throw reason and common sense out the window, of course, but don't, uh, by all means, and would you say don't with me? Don't. Would you say it loud? Don't. Don't. Don't throw, uh, don't, don't say, uh, I, I should say, don't allow it to chain your expectations of God's intervention in your life. You know, uh, don't throw common sense out, but at the same time, don't allow it to chain your expectation of God's intervention in your life and in, in our church too. And um, imprison your willingness to risk uh, trusting God with the impossible things of your life. Yeah, so, yeah, we have to have common sense. There's, there's, a, there's a balance beam, isn't there? Matter of fact, Christmas, Christmas is kind of like creation in this sense, that Christmas is not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable, but let me tell you something. It is definitely beyond common sense and human explanation. <laughs> it's not unreasonable. 
You know, when you're, you know, at, same way with, same with, you know, cre- creation. Uh, God speaking the universe into existence. It's not unreasonable when we're dealing with an almighty God. But it's beyond our common sense and our ability to figure out for sure. The same way with Christmas, a, a young virgin woman giving birth to the Son of God. Not unreasonable for an almighty creator, but beyond our level of common sense and our understanding for sure. You know, loved ones, Chris, the, the church has always been a miracle beyond common sense. Uh, the deck has always been stacked against us. Uh, this world is, uh, if there's anything that we've been learning here, especially in the last few months in our culture, is that um, our culture um, is blatantly against Christianity. Blatantly now. I mean, it's becoming more and more evident. I mean, Christianity, above all other religions, above all other faiths, are, uh, is, is the one that is um, persecuted and, uh, and is talked against. The world, the world has, from the very beginning, hated Jesus Christ and fought against his church. And today, in the history of our nation, our culture has been, uh, become more caustic toward Christ, toward the Bible, toward Christianity, toward the church, than it ever has in its history. And so we have got to learn to balance. Uh, we kind of walk on a balance beam, don't, don't we? we uh, we're called to keep a wise, discerning balance, to, to know the difference between when common sense is appropriate and when to, lo- to longingly expect God to invade the impossibilities of our lives. To, uh, if, it seems like we're always on the side of the equation where we, we live our Christianity in our own strength. We can figure things out for ourselves, And uh, there comes a point where we just don't know how uh, we're going to do some things. And so we have to depend upon God to do what we can't do, what we can't do in our own strength. And it's, uh, it's amazing that we, get, we have to get to that point. But a lot of times trusting in our own strength is what we know best, isn't it? Trusting in our own abilities is what we know best. We have to learn to trust God with, with the things that are impossible to us. The word of God and prayer, that's the remedy for us. We saw last Sunday that, uh, that God created us to learn to pray. I think that is a powerful thought. That God created us to learn to pray. That there are no other creatures in all the universe that pray. Think about that. Uh, animals don't pray. I mean, we, we train our little dog to, to pray, but he, she's really not praying, you know. Uh, uh, animals don't pray. Um, you know, fish don't pray. Insects don't pray. Bacteria, they, they don't pray. Uh, angels don't pray. There's no record of any angel praying. Think about it. We're the only ones of all God's creation that prays. We were created to learn to pray. We were, we were redeemed to learn this special privilege, this pattern of intimate prayer with our Creator. It will, it's going to take some effort on our part to unlearn some improper thinking and some bad prayer habits, but it's worth it. Jesus assures us that the Father wants us to be with Him. Remember, we read those scriptures the last couple of weeks to go into our prayer closet, shut the door, to be with God, to talk with God, and to be ourselves, and to be honest and sincere, and He will reward us. 
We are striving uh, to be praying Christians, just not Christians who pray. But we learn a, a lifestyle of prayer. To learn that, uh, to learn what it means to, you know, uh, we're, uh, it's, uh, to, to learn that it's, it's part of who we are. It's, it's, a, it's a habit that, that is like breathing to us. It's not just something that we tack on to our life, but it's, it's, a, it's a major part of our fellowship with God. That prayer has become that kind of a, a precious activity to us. We learn that prayer is, is listening. It's, it's speaking and it's listening. Prayer is speaking, but it's also listening with, remember, expectation. That uh, we listen with expectation and we give our requests to God and then we don't just leave them there, but uh, as we walk through the day, we live with the expectancy that God could speak to us anytime. He could, he could answer anytime. And uh, he, he does often. Prayer is, uh, we learned his prayer is a, is a, uh, it's active, it being on like an active listening standby mode. And uh, genuine prayer is to us, uh, is, is uh, speaking to God and God listening. It's also God speak to us and us listening. So prayer is definitely, it is communication. It's communication. You know, if you never hear God talking to you, it's really not prayer. It's not, because Jesus said prayer, you should expect God to speak to you. You should expect God to reward you. There should be this two-way street. There should be communication. So if you're not hearing God, if you're not fellowshipping to God, if you're not interacting with God, if there's nothing there, then it's really, there's something missing there in your, in your, in your prayer life. The best prayer is, first of all, listening and then, then speaking. Taking the time to quiet yourself and ask God to speak first, because... You're listening. I remember, I think I, rem I mentioned last week that it was my father who uh, lived that before me uh, when I was a child. He would, when he would kneel to pray, he would oftentimes pause and just quiet himself and prepare his heart to hear from God before he would start speaking. So, uh, prayer in, uh, you know, it, it, it may take some training on our part to do that, to break old habits, but if you're determined to pray the right way, God will help you break through. And prayer in its, in its purest form here, prayer in its purest form is actually, it's actually about God knowing you and your Heavenly Father rewarding you with this intimate, knowledgeable relationship with Him. Really, prayer is a lot about knowing, and we want to talk about that today. Knowing. There's no way to have a close relationship with anybody unless you know them and unless you know facts about them, unless you interact with them. And uh, that's what makes a marriage, uh, that's what makes a marriage wonderful is that a couple has taken the time and effort to, to get to know one another and to commit themselves to one another and to continue to uh, serve one another. Um, that's what makes that wonderful in, in, a, in, a, in a marriage. You know, God just doesn't drop answers, loved ones, to your needs out of the sky. You know, a prayer is not meant to be that, where, where I make a request and God answers, kind of like putting in your orders. You know, I put in my order for something and then like, uh, like putting your orders at Walmart, you know, to have, your, have a curbside pickup. You know, I put it in the order and now I just wait and I pull up and in the right parking spot and they bring it out to me. Well, that's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about God knowing you and you knowing God and that when he answers your prayer, there's something in the answering that is going to help you to know him better and going to help you to know yourself better too. So it's just not 
you know, uh, kind of like placing a, gro a, a grocery order. It's a relationship. Prayer is a relationship with the Lord that when he gives you the answers, there's something that he gives in the, in the, in the answering that helps you to know him better. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> um, in fact, I don't think he answers any requests uh, without, without it being an outgrowth of knowing him better. Let's talk some more about that. Let's talk about this here. Why is prayer, why is prayer so vital to your life and why is it so vital to the church? Now listen, now everyone, I, I want you to just stop for a moment and take a, a slow, quiet, deep breath and realize this, that prayer is not intended, or the topic of prayer is not intended uh, as a baseball bat or a, a club that God intends to beat you over the head with. Okay, just take a deep breath and just say, okay, you know, I don't know. I've talked to people before a lot about prayer and none of them, nobody feels like they do it very well. They say, boy, that's just something I don't do very well, pastor. I don't pray very well. I, I, um, I always feel kind of guilty that I'm not doing a better job at it. So we just need to just kind of just take a deep breath and realize God's not using the topic of prayer to make anyone feel ashamed or guilty today or to put some sort of a, you know, some sort of a, um, uh, I don't know, to berate you, if you will, with this subject. I, I think for a lot of Christians, the topic of prayer is their worst nightmare. They say, oh no, the pastor's preaching on prayer. I'm just, I just hate this, you know, <laughs> but because it's a practice that we've failed at over and over again. But every time it comes to your mind, there's just, uh, you know, shame and guilt kind of climb on your shoulders and think, oh boy. Um, and every time, uh, well, you know, the, the, the devil uses shame and guilt, of course, to simply put a dead stop on you from learning and what amazing tool God has given you called prayer. The devil wants to kind of put a dead stop on you, doesn't he? This tool is at your disposal about, uh, and it's intended to, to be a joy but prayer is intended to be a super blessing uh, to us. But because you don't know fundamentally what it's about or how to use it, it's kind of like an awkward frustration and a curse to you instead. You'd rather find something else to do, anything else to do except pray. You know, it's easy to say, oh, I got up late today. <laughs> Thank goodness I don't have to pray. I don't have to worry about that. Well, we don't think that. We don't say it out loud, but we kind of, hmm, maybe that might be in the back of our mind. I, you know, I, it takes a little discipline to learn to pray. And so, you know, I, I, I don't like discipline. So, you know, it's a, that's that D word. You know, so we, we, uh, we just kind of calm ourselves and say, well, I, I don't have time today. Um, I was assisting a, a rookie beekeeper once, and he was... Um, having trouble. His bees just simply were not producing honey. And he was also having trouble keeping them alive. And uh, what was strange about it is that not keeping them alive through winter, that's always hard to keep your bees alive through winter. But he couldn't keep them alive in the summer, <laughs> which they should be flourishing. And uh, I thought that was odd, you know. And so I, I went over one day to, to inspect his hives. To, he asked me to come over and look. And I, so I, I took a look at him. And, and uh, he wasn't there that day. He was off doing something else. So I, I was just looking for some potential problems. And, and as I examined the new hives, I didn't notice any bees flying. The, the bees weren't flying around. They, they should be out. I mean, it's sunny. It's, it's warm out. In fact, even hottish. And they, they ought to be everywhere. The bees ought to be flying. And they ought to be out on the front porch, fanning their wings, trying to keep the hive well ventilated and everything. And, uh, and I, I looked, uh, you know, well, I thought, these bees should be out here. They should be busy as uh, bees, right? <laughs> Nothing was going on. 
And then I noticed that he had uh, the bottom board that the hive sits on, he had it turned upside down. That's not good. Because <laughs> uh, basically what he did, the way that bottom board is, is de designed, when it's, when, it's sit, when it's right, there's an entrance and an exit for the bees to come and go. When it's turned upside down, there's no exit or entrance. The bees were all shut up inside, not being able to get out of the hive. He has something. Um, he had actually imprisoned his bees, not only preventing them from uh, leaving and entering the hive. He'd actually, uh, he'd actually, they, well, they couldn't, they couldn't pollinate the, they couldn't make honey, they couldn't pollinate, and he had doomed them to death because uh, they were, they were going to. They were basically going to suffocate in all that heat inside the hive there. So I quickly dismantled the hive, turned the, turned the board upright to the right direction, put it back together, and the bees were able to come and go. Prayers like that. We got the bottom board upside down. It's like the man who had a couple medium-sized trees to, to fell. Someone suggested that he purchase a chainsaw. After working hard all day in the hot sun, he finally cut down the first tree. He was so frustrated, he went back to the store where he had purchased the chainsaw and told the salesman he wanted his money back. He said, man, I'm exhausted. He said, I've worked hard all day and I've been told this, this would really help me get these trees cut down. I've only been able to cut down one medium-sized tree. The salesman said, really? He said, well, that's odd. Let me check it out. The salesman, he primed the carburetor and gave the, the, the start rope a tug and the chainsaw roared to life. The man jumped back and said, wow, minister, it never, wow, minister, it never made that sound before to me. Somebody got it. He was just using it as a saw. He got it. Okay, got it. Yeah, he never made that sound before. That's prayer. They never start the motor. He never. We. It's, prayer is a tool that God gives us. That Jesus, He's trying to show us in the Scriptures about how to use prayer. That how much God wants us to pray. How much He wants to talk to us. You know. I'm convinced that. That prayer is like that for a lot of Christians. Many, many will arrive in heaven, I think, and discover. I said they'll arrive in heaven. They will get there. Who have never learned to pray. I believe, you know, prayer is not one of those things that, that you know, that is, um, that will be detrimental. Well, I should say it's not a determining factor for your salvation. But, but it will. Uh, it's something that you're missing out on the riches of Jesus. You're, you're, reaching out on the, you're missing out on the fellowship of, of Jesus Christ. And I, I wonder if we'll get to heaven and think, man, I, look at all the riches there were in Jesus. And look at all I missed. And I could have known this on, on earth. Because prayer is given to us as a tool. Um, understanding prayer. Um, is how we, well, prayer is used, is how we learn to know God better and better and better and better. We, again, we won't pray in heaven or upon the new earth, for then we're going to see God face to face and he'll dwell with his people in a different way then. <clears throat> but understanding prayer properly and learning to use it will really enhance your Christianity 
my friend, because prayer is learning how to be with God. Prayer is learning how to be with God. It's like any friendship. Intimate friendship requires time to align your heart with your friend. <clears throat> An early church father by the name of uh, Clement of Alexandria, this is how he, designed, he defined prayer. Prayer is keeping company with God. Prayer is aligning your heart with God. It's keeping company with Him. That's good, isn't it? That's good. Prayer is taking the effort to simply put yourself in a place. Jesus said a private place where you on purpose make yourself available to fellowship with God. Prayer is giving attention to your most vital relationship with God. That's what prayer is. I used to say prayer is like taking, a, prayer and worship is like taking God out on a date. Yeah. When I was a younger Christian, because uh, Becky and I would, I know that how much dates were important for us just to go out on a date once in a while to, to kind of get away from the noise of, you know, the hubbub of little kids and just be able to talk to one another was so very important. And that's really what prayer is. Prayer is, is kind of being one-on-one -on -one with God, uh, alone, um, to be able to talk, to be able to think, to be able to listen. Um, you might say, Petey, why do I need to take specific time to be alone with God? Isn't he just with me, you know, throughout the day? Isn't he just with me? God's with me, right? Well, yes, of course he is. He, he promised to never leave you. He promised never to forsake you. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And yet that is not enough. I want to listen to me. That is not enough to experience the purpose of the tool of prayer that God gives you. Sure, God is with you, but it's not enough uh, to experience this intimate experience with God through prayer. You know, many times I have been with Becky and the family all day long, either working outside, doing some project, or shopping, you know, or vacationing together, and I'm definitely aware of them. I know, I know, I, I see them around here. I, they're, they're with me. I'm, I'm, I'm with them. But it was when we all stopped and sat down at the dining room table for a meal where we disregarded the telephone, we turned off the TV, we silenced the cell phones, we put the toys aside, and we ate food together and laughed and talked about life. Sure, we were together all day, but it wasn't until we sat down and talked together at a meal where we started to really get to know one another experience each other's life you see sometimes we you know we we'd stop and have a have to have a family powwow too if things are kind of chaotic and and somebody's behavior is not doing doing so great you know we'd have to say okay family conference time you know uh, too many of you are acting up here we need to sit down and so we can have a one-on-one -on -one here about behavior issues <laughs> you know we're not just uh running around together, we're enjoying each other in a moment. And that's the important thing. I, you know, it's, um, it's really sad, isn't it, uh, um, to see sometimes, um, I see people at a restaurant. Have you ever seen this? Um, I see, see them at a restaurant. They sit down. Sometimes it's just a couple, sometimes it's a family. And they all pull their phones out and they're looking at a computer screen. The entire meal. 
I've watched them. I like, I mean, they would, they would eat like this, looking at their phone, and get up and leave and never say a word to one another. I mean, couples as well as families uh, wasted, the perfe- wasted the perfect opportunity to fellowship with one another. I mean, that's why you have coffee. That's why you go out together. That's so that you can experience each other's life. So yes, God is always with us. But Jesus showed us in his own, by his own practice in life and also through his teaching that we need to take that, those moments, that special alone time to be with God. Amen. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Again, it's often been used to invite sinners to open their lives up and invite Jesus into their life. But, but really, it's a verse reaching out to us Christians, to God's people already, who are lukewarm toward him. And uh, again, it says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Our Creator just longs for us to be able to uh, uh, get together and fellowship together. We, we share a meal together, in a sense, by being alone. Um, prayer is learning to fellowship with God, creator to creation, person to person, friend to friend, father to child. Yeah. Prayer is, uh, is this, is actually coming to know God. Prayer is coming to know God. And here's the surprise benefit. As we come to know God, we come to know ourselves better. And that's why prayer is so very, very important. We come to know God, that's how we know ourselves better. It's a two-way street of of, communication and communion. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit prays within us, communicating the will of God and revealing the deepest secrets of our hearts. Remember in Romans here, Romans chapter chapter 8, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. You might be thinking, Petey, that is way too deep for me. I have no idea what Paul is talking about. You know what? That's too deep for me. Me too. That's deep for me. Um, I said, Lord, you have to, you know, that is mysteries. The Holy Spirit within me praying, communicating, you know, you say, how does God speak to us? I don't know. I just know that prayer works, that prayer in this sense works. It opens that avenue with God when our hearts are sincere and when we are obeying God in his word and when we are extending faith, believing that God returns communication to us. I don't know how all the details work out, but I know it happens. I know it happens. Paul says it happens here. It happens here. you know, let God show you the way of knowing Him better. And in the process, you'll see your weaknesses better too and wonder, and, and the wonder of Jesus' love and grace. You know, as He works His change in you, that's what He does. That's what He does. As you get to know Him better, He reveals who you are too. You find out who you are, and His grace works change in and through your life. How does that work? Let's just look at this. Keep, are, you, are you still with me? The Apostle Paul shares an example to help us understand how knowing God better helps us know ourselves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, remember Paul talks about having a thorn in his flesh. 
You know, there was, we don't know what it was. If it was a physical thing, if it was a spiritual problem, if it was a, if it was emotional problem, if it was like a, a church problem of all the, the pressure of, of church problems on, on him, or we don't know what it was, but there was some issue that was really a bother to Paul that was a real trial, a real, a, a real suffering, and he called it a thorn in his flesh. And he, he shares how God gave him this thorn in his flesh to keep him humble due to all the marvelous revelations that God had given him that we know a lot about, about the Lord, about special things from the Lord from the Apostle Paul because the Lord revealed these things to him. Special revelation. And to keep Paul humble, God allowed him, he allowed the devil to give Paul a thorn in the flesh, he says. And he asked God three times, three times in prayer. He said, I asked the Lord to remove the thorn. But God said no. And then we have this, again, where Paul tells us here. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more, Paul says gladly, about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships, persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, I am strong. Look at what Jesus said to him. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. As Paul is listening to Jesus, as this is coming through to him, this understanding, this, this miracle message, this miracle communication from the Holy Spirit, telling him what his, as Paul laid out his burden here, but the thorn in the flesh, the Lord is revealing to him the intricate details of his soul. And he's telling St. Paul, you need to be weak. You are weak, Paul, without me. You've done great things, Paul. Through, I've done great things through you, but it's because of me, Paul, that you're, that you're great. Therefore, I'm going to allow you to stay weak. Paul, he came to know himself like, I must be weak. I, I must live a weak life in the sense where that I'm always dependent upon God for anything that God wants to do that lasts in this, in this world. I hope you understand that. Paul learned to know himself better because he came to understand God's will better. Let me close with just a few of these thoughts here. Please listen so closely. There, there is a, there's a big difference loved ones, there, there's a big difference here between knowing about God and actually knowing God. There's a lot of people that know about Becky. I know Becky. You know? Same way with her. A lot of people know facts about me, but they don't know me. A lot of people know about God. They've read the Bible or something, but they don't know God because their life does not reflect knowing Him. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that God knows His children. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. For now, Paul says, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. And when we get to heaven, we're going to see God face to face. Now I only know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am now fully known. Paul's saying to this, he's saying, listen, I don't even know myself that well, actually. 
But God knows me fully now. Someday I'll know, I'll know fully. But right now, I don't. So God knows me fully now. We, we don't know ourselves as well as God knows us. In the book of Job, if you ever read through that entire, that entire book, there's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's really a, kind of depressing in some ways because of the things that Job had to go to, but it, it consists of 42 chapters. And you, you know the story of Job. Um, how it, uh, uh, 37 of those chapters describe the horrendous hardship that Job went through. And you know what was the hardest thing that he went through? For 37 chapters, not, of course he lost all of his possessions, he even lost his children, he lost his health. But you know what the biggest thing that he lost, or that was the hardest, the hardest thing for him, as you read through all those chapters? God is silent. He can't, nothing's happening. He's praying. He's, he's, he's praying. He's saying, God, I, you see what's going on. Why have you allowed this to happen to me? You know, and uh, I'm innocent, Lord. I've not sinned. And, and he, 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 just, he just goes on chapter after chapter. And his friends try to convince him that, yes, you are a sinner. That's the only reason why God has allowed this to happen. And, and uh, on and on and on. And this just goes on and on for, again for 37 chapters until finally chapter 38 where the Lord speaks. The Lord speaks. And he tells Job. He says, so Job, you're calling me to account, are you? Yeah, Job didn't curse God or he didn't do anything wrong in the beginning. But in the, in the course of those, 30, those 37 chapters, Job did something wrong. In the, in the, in the struggle of the trial... He went too far in declaring his innocence. He said, God, I, I'm innocent. I'm almost like I have not committed any sin. Of course, we know that he had in some way. But he said, I'm innocent. And so God was calling him, you know, he said, so Job, you, uh, you know everything, do you? And then you have God for the next, what, two, three chapters there saying, so Job, how do I, I form the universe? Oh, Joe, man, he just lists, starts going through all these different animals. How do these animals do this and this? And how does the stars move, move like this? And Job is like just crumbling. He just starts to crumble. And he says, I repent in dust. I spoke out of turn. I was wrong, God. You, uh, you are right, and I don't even have any, any question. I, mean, I have any right to even question you. That was, that was, how he, that was his conclusion. And God restored him. And not only restored him, but said, Job, pray for your friends because your friends need your prayers. They have sinned against me in the way they represented me. <laughs> and that's something. Job, as he, God spoke, Job came to know himself like, ooh, ooh, I went too far. I really am just a human little, I'm just a little person. I'm just a little creature here on this planet, God. And Sometimes I hear, you hear um, critics say, you know, there's no answer to suffering in the book of Job. Yeah, there is. Why did Job go through all that? The answer was God. As soon as you see God, as soon as God communicates to you, <clears throat> all your questions disappear. He is the answer. Why did I go through this, God? Because you're the answer. 
you reveal to me who I am and I repent and I line myself up with what you say. <laughs> My friends, God never again gave a Job why he had to go through all that. Yet again he did. He communed with Job. God himself was the answer. So loved ones, as we close today, knowing God is, 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 the, is all the answer we need. And that's the purpose of prayer. And your existence is to know God and to enjoy Him forever. So God doesn't want prayer to be a burden to you. He wants it to be a delight. He wants you to get, the, get your tools, use your tools properly, you know, learn how to do that. And, and uh, as in, an, in, in, in increasingly knowing Him, we increasingly learn how to think and how to act like He does. And, and that is worth everything. And, and that is why becoming a praying Christian is worth all the effort. Amen. So get your, get your, you know, the, your beehive bottom board facing the right direction and get your chainsaw started. You know, learn how to use your tool. You know, just go to God. Just go to God and tell Him, God, I'm taking, I'm sitting down here to breakfast with you, Lord. You know, you know, I'm sitting here in this, where I'm at, in the quiet place. I'm going to sit here, and if you want to speak first, go right, right ahead, Lord. And, um, but, uh, and then as you wait and listen, uh, and then just, you can, if nothing happens, you can start listen, you can start speaking. Or basically, you're just getting your heart ready and to, to listen to God. And then go ahead and adore him and tell him how much you love him and, and confess to him your faults and your sins and then thank him for things and then give him your requests and listen to him. Just be ready to listen with expectation. And I promise you, you'll come in our trials. You're going to come to know him better. You're going to come to know yourself better too. Father, as we leave today, we know this is a wonderful gift you have given us, this tool of prayer. Lord, it's uh, meant to be a gift, not a, not a burden to, to bear. So we pray, Lord, that you will uh, show us. Show us, Lord, in a fresh way in all of our lives how to know you better through prayer, how to listen, how to, how to quiet ourselves and listen. And to not just listen when we're at the table with you, but to listen to you as we're out and about doing our jobs, walking and driving and, and talking with others, receiving from the, being ready to re receive any kind of uh, information from the control tower, Lord. I pray, O oh Lord, today that uh, we will find you really working in our lives in these days, knowing you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.